Hey, Maggie. Hey, what? Why did the banana go to the doctors? I don't know. Why? Because it wasn't peeling well. <laughs> <laughs>
the I do like the lower price point for just the the goggles and the blaster. Um, wow, how cool is that? Okay, so that just kind of popped across my desk. Um, I am very excited about that. Um, so you knew, I guess. Uh, I saw the email come in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not get one of those, um, but I did. You know, my universe exploded. Somebody shared it at me. Big week for me. Um, this weekend, uh, at the time that many of you will be listening to this, I, Evan and I will be on our way to the Vermont State Magic the Gathering Championships. Um, so we are going to be competing. He's going to be going to his first quote-unquote real Magic tournament. Um, the, the most he has ever done is a pre-release. So going to a tournament where there's going to be like filling out your deck list and random deck checks and all sorts of other stuff, going to be very intense. Um, Magic tournaments are super intense, state, and it's been 20 years since I've done one. Yep, they're crazy. Uh, I have warned him, but that's why we're going to Vermont, because we expect that it will be, well, number one, because my brother is there, um, but number two, because we expect that there will not be as many people there, because it is Vermont. So I'm hoping there will Legit. be like 15 people and a cow. Um, okay. And that makes it basically a Friday Night Magic in Connecticut. So... That's what we're hoping for, um, but we're going to have all sorts of coverage there. Um, I'm going to be going live on Facebook in between every round. Uh, we're actually going to have a table at the at the floor, so Facebook is going to be all over the stuff. I'm hoping to interview a judge and get some like real advice for parents to prepare their kids for tournaments. This is going to be a whole lot of fun for us. Um, but it's also a big week because this is the first time that you and I get to communally yell about Pokemon. It's true. There's going to be a lot of yelling. Just prepare yourselves. We're sorry in advance, but also at the same time, entirely not sorry. Yeah, entirely not sorry. With that said, John's going to lower our levels specifically for that uh, <laughs> segment so we don't hurt anybody. Um, so, But before we do that, we do want to uh, take a moment to thank everybody for listening. Um, we hope the games you've been playing have been great. I know I've been playing basically Tetris 99 and just that, which is amazing. And I know Amanda's been playing some great games, too. Um, we do want to make our podcast as interactive as possible. So please feel free to reach out to us on social media or um, the best way, send us a message on our Facebook page. Our community manager, Jeff, is back in full swing. So he will respond to hooray, you. Jeff. And, yeah, hooray, Jeff. He's back. Uh, he still has no answer on his test because he's got to wait like a year and a half or some shenanigans. It's torture. Um, but in the meantime, he's working for me. So he will uh, send your feedback on over and give us your ideas, your questions, your concerns, your topic suggestions, etc. So um, now that we've gotten some of the rigmarole out of the way, shall we go around the horn? Oh, yes, please. So um, I have but one game that I have played. So, And I know you have a few. So why don't you um, share some information with us? What, you been, what have you been playing? I have been playing so many different games this week, and that's unusual for me because I feel like I only get to play games on, like, Friday afternoon, which is when I do Ready Player Mom over mm -hmm. on Super Parent. But I went to an event. I got myself a phone, like a new phone, which is amazing. And I've been playing a bunch of mobile games, like games that I was thinking about playing but didn't want to play on my two, almost three generations old phone. Mm -hmm. So I ended up picking up Alto's Odyssey, which is, I think, a year old at this point. Mm -hmm. I think it's about a year old. And Ish. I, Yeah. Um, and I played Alto's Adventure 
on iPad, I think in like 2015 or something like that. I loved that game. So I really, I've been really thoroughly enjoying sand surfing, like I'm playing Journey all over again. So Journey is a is a PlayStation, was a PlayStation 3 game that came out a number of years ago, remastered for PlayStation 4 by that game company. Mm-hmm. One of my very favorite games in the whole world because mm-hmm. it's so emotional and beautiful. But anyway, so now I- Coming soon to PC on the Epic Game Store. That's very true, it is great game though lots and lots of fun um very emotional so now i only have like the sand surfing level but like yeah. in a whole game and it's an endless runner mm-hmm. so that was really fun i was doing that and i've been playing thumper and thumper is described as a rhythm violence game which yeah. is odd i guess that's what it's called it's like super hardcore music where it's it's a rhythm game and you have to it's also kind of like an endless runner. Okay. So you like tap the screen to the music mm-hmm. and then you, you flick your finger back and forth to go left, to go right mm-hmm. and like hold it down to anyway. It's, it's very interesting. It's very difficult. I'm not yes. very good at it. Um, so I've been playing that. I've also been playing treasure stack on the Nintendo switch, which I picked up last week for ready player mom. I am mm-hmm. incredibly bad at it. Uh, like I'm, very, okay. Very okay. So I want to say this because I watched that stream. Um. So for so for the people who are so just to catch up on some of your descriptions, Altos Odyssey is amazing. We have played it here. It is, however, one of those games where uh, eventually the challenges get really impossible. Um. So we actually got stuck on the wall grinding, um, because oh. it is. Um, because eventually you get the ability to grind on walls, and there are some challenges that are just really, really hard because the controls are relatively imprecise. Mm-hmm. However, whatever, we played it for like seven hours before we got to that point, so like, who cares? Wow. Um, yeah, no, it's a great game. That is a um, mobile game? Wow. Yeah, it's a one, yeah, it was amazing. Um, so, um, and Thumper, I played in VR. That's the only time I've ever played yes. Thumper. Um, and that was an intense experience. I'm kind of glad that I'm done with it. I think I might actually really like it more on mobile, um, just because it was a really... Uh, it's so intense in VR from what I've heard. No, it's super intense. It was like one of the first VR games I played, so it was like, hey, uh, this is insane. Um, so now that we're caught up, Treasure track, treasure Stacker, for those that are curious as to what the heck we're talking about, um, it is a block dropping puzzle game where the blocks are treasure chests and you control a person on the ground with a grappling hook and your job is to run around climb on these stacks of treasure and um the different treasure chests are colored in a certain way and keys will occasionally drop and your responsibility is to get the keys to be adjacent to the the same color block so get a blue key to the blue clock purple key to the blue block purple key to the purple block etc um and so you're combos as much as you can you need to combo just like any other you know columns or you know you know tetris etc um what's challenging is you have to platform amongst these things at the same time the grappling hook is really more that's like your hard drop in tetris it's like you can kind of grab it and move it kind of where you are so you have a little bit of diagonal movement but not much um the uh, the thing that i saw and I, I know you're saying that you're very bad, and I understand what you were saying, but I'm going to call you on your crap. Um, oh, no. Because I think No, because I don't necessarily think that you are that bad. Um, 
I think that that game does not do itself any favors because at its heart, it is both a puzzle game and a platformer. Yes. Um, and I believe that... And it's it, janky controls, and, by the way. Yes. So that's what I was going to get at. I was watching you struggle with your inputs and you're not an unskilled gamer. You've been doing this for a long time. So you're struggling with the inputs and you can't struggle with inputs with a puzzle game. The whole point of puzzle games is to reach a flow state and just go. That's why Tetris 99 works the way that it does. You have a hundred people-ish just entering flow and those who get there faster win. Um, And so this game deliberately pulls you out of that because you have to platform. And the real issue is the platforming sucked. Um, kind of did. I mean, you're not wrong. So, I mean, I thought it was an awesome concept, but I think the platforming really took away from it. I mean, how much was it? it was like It's like 15 bucks, right, on the eShop? Yeah. Yeah, it's about that. So, I mean, for $15, if you absolutely must have every puzzle game, I think, sure, why not? But for anyone else... Um, I think that you would be better off, especially on the Switch, spending $20 for a year of the Switch online and just playing Tetris 99. Because even if you play Tetris 99 essentially as a single-player game, which, by the way, you can. The fact that, I mean, you lose every game of Tetris that you've ever played anyway, unless you're playing the Grandmaster Edition and you're a speedrunner, at which point you're not listening to this show. But, like, you lose every game of Tetris you're playing anyway, so just play it and... Just go with that. It's just strictly a better game. I know you gave yourself a lot of crap. I don't think that it is your fault. I think it is just not a great game. I would tend to agree with you. I had high hopes for this game. I checked it out at PAX West at the Nindies event last Mm -hmm. year. And it looked really interesting, but I figured it was going to be a challenge and that maybe the challenge was going to be my problem. But the platforming element of it is inelegant and it gets in the way. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if you want to play something that fast-paced and you don't necessarily want to play Tetris 99 because you're not looking to play competitively because it can get kind of frustrating, especially if you get targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, my suggestion is playing a game like Tumblestone. And Tumblestone is, again, it's an older game. I think it might be on Switch. Yes, it is. It's on everything. It on it's definitely yeah. on Switch. Okay, because it's a, that's a great game. Tumblestone is amazing. about a great puzzle game. Tumblestone is fantastic. Also a very nice team that does it. Right? Team that makes so Tumblestone is very nice. Um, they were one of my uh, fun facts. Tumblestone was one of my very first appointments as a member of the press. Oh, um, so it holds that. a special place in my heart. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, and I was like, "Great, I'm playing just a puzzle game." And I played it two years in a row, uh, and they remembered me, which was which was surprising because I'm kind of like in the video game space, I'm somewhat generic. I know you like to call me on my crap, but come on, how many how many white dudes with thick glasses and goatees are there? Let's be real. Let's be real. Lots of us. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm just saying, and I don't mean that as an insult. I don't mean that as an insult. I'm saying I'm kind of generic. That is a problem, (laughs) but I can't help it. Um, We are not talking about diversity in the game industry today, as a matter of fact. Nope, we're not. So anyway, (laughs) but but that doesn't change the fact that I'm generic. Um, So, but they remembered me. So, um, so yeah, I definitely recommend Tumblestone instead. You know, we talked we talked off air about play this, not that, right? Play yes, play Tumblestone, not Treasure Stacker, and don't give yourself crap. You were you, you. I mean, it was a bad performance in that game, but I think that game did not help you. It really didn't help me. I'm a much better. You you watch me play tra- Tetris have, 99. I'm a much better Tetris. Player. I have seen you play all sorts of games, and you are definitely better than that. Um, <laughs> and and I and like I said, I think it was um, just 
it just needed a little bit more time in the tank, honestly. Like, a little Agreed. bit more polish on the platforming. But I, yeah. I think it was a puzzle game, and they just didn't have anybody there that really knew how to make snappy platforming controls. Um, give it to Yacht Club. They'll remake it, and it'll be better. Um, I know they won't actually do that, but I know Yacht Club would do it better. Um, so, I want to talk about Tetris 99, because I have a confession to make. Oh, what's your confession? My confession is that I don't think I can play Tetris 99 around my children anymore. <gasps> thus making it not a quote-unquote family game. Oh no! Um, so I mean, I'm pr I probably will continue to do so because my kids enjoy taunting and tormenting me while I play. Um, As children do. Oh man, my kids talk so much junk. But um, so they trash talk kids. Yeah. Well, and fans of the show know that my kids definitely talk a lot of junk. Um, but what I have found myself doing is like I I really struggle. Because I cannot get into flow. I cannot reach the flow state in Tetris. And for those listening, the flow state, it's a con it's kind of a weird concept. But the idea is you complete challenges at such a rate that as they escalate in difficulty, you kind of get your muscles set and your mindset so that you just kind of continually flow through them. Um, it is... It's something that happens in video games. It happens technically in everything. If you've ever found yourself getting in the zone at work, that's what you're talking about. You you reached a flow state where you're just completing your challenges and moving forward. Um, Tetris is all about that, and I cannot achieve that state if there is any noise. Or, even worse, any movement in my peripheral vision. So what, I've, what I struggle with is um, I will be playing... And uh, one of my kids will get up and leave the room. And they won't even be talking to me, but they'll get up to leave the room to, like, go get a soda or something. And that will be enough to snap me out of it. Um, and the problem is when I snap out of a flow state, it is really frustrating. And so I have found myself getting frustrated. Um, and that, Which makes it harder to play the game. The one thing that I am going to try is sitting closer to the television, which is not great for my eyes, but it's worth it for Tetris. Um, so I might try that. But I think... Um, the lesson that I want to impart here, because this is this is a, uh, I'm not just throwing myself under the bus and saying I'm a bad parent, because I don't think that's the case. You're not um, a bad parent. But when if you are playing games together, everybody has to recognize their limitations, things that they don't enjoy, things that they don't like. Some people, no matter what they do, they do not like playing. Um, competitively with their kids or they don't like playing cooperatively with their kids because their kids are difficult to work with um, you have to know your limitations and just mold around it um, and so knowing my limitation that I cannot play Tetris without getting into the flow state because that's the whole purpose um, without with without them ceasing to be children um, I'm I have to either accommodate for that or I have to just not play it and let them play it and or let my wife play it and just kind of appreciate it um and i think that that's okay i mean obviously it's okay um but i think that i i want all the parents listening to also recognize that that's okay not just for them but for their kids and i think that's important too like our yes. kids have limitations they have restrictions um and they have things that they might not they have boundaries that they don't know exist um and so maybe when your oldest is playing a really hard boss. Maybe they really just need everybody to, maybe they can't do that when everybody's in the room. And maybe that means they need to change when they play that game. Or maybe everyone needs to be polite and just, you know, let them fight the boss. 
Um, that's up to your family to figure out how that works and what your boundaries are. Um, but I think it's okay to have limitations. Not everybody plays video games the same way. Um, I think that makes sense, Amanda, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all play games a different way. We all succeed in different ways. Yep. Um, and we all get frustrated for different reasons. Um, so I thought I would throw that little, uh, that was a teachable moment for yes. me. Um, and so I, I'm certainly not going to stop playing Tetris 99 because it is very light. I mean, I'm being very real here. Like right now is far and away my game of the year. I know it's only February, it's only March, but like I'm looking at the beginning, looking at, it's just, it's Pokemon and that's it for family games. There's a lot of other stuff. Really, we're waiting for Animal Crossing. We're waiting for, but Animal Crossing could get pushed to 2020 and Nintendo wouldn't right. care. I mean, I, and, and I said this on, um, you know, something that we posted up on the Engage Family Amy Facebook page today, um, that Nintendo has a stacked year without Animal Crossing. Now, if Animal Crossing hits 2020, which I know they said that they want to, and I'm sure that that's currently their target, but there's a lot of 2020 left. <laughs> if it comes out this year, it's just insanity. Um, but if they left, I mean, people would be disappointed, but they would still have a banger of a 2019 capped with two Pokemon games, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, yeah, so I, I, Tetris 99 is insane. Like, it's it's Pokemon or Bust it's for me. Lot. Maybe Animal Crossing. Um, and maybe something that we has, that hasn't been announced yet. But I'm everything that I think could be coming that hasn't been announced yet just isn't coming this year. Right? Like, Halo could maybe sneak in. Because those are Teague now. So that puts them in the yeah. conversation. But I don't think Halo Infinite's coming this year. Um, so... The, you know what I mean? But, like, that's the kind of game that could, like, they could be like, hey, check it out. It's coming out this year. Um, maybe Dreams. Oh, Dreams is great. But here's the question about Dreams. This is totally a, a weird tangent. For those people listening, Dreams is a natural evolution of Little Big Planet, and it's by the same company that makes it, and it is play, create, share, taken to the nth degree. They basically made a game engine and are selling it for yes. 30 bucks. Um, we're going to buy it um, because my middle son wants to just create lots of versions of himself and let people put him in games. Um, and I'm kind of okay with like a bunch of like, you know, people m making games with models of a little kid with blue hair. Um, I think that could That's be fascinating. Um, I think it'd be fascinating. Um, but so maybe dreams if it turns into something interesting, but like, I don't know, man. Tetris 99 is so good. I'm not going to stop, but I am going to be more careful with the way I play it because I'm sensitive to the fact that what's the point of playing Tetris and telling everyone to shut up and then no one else can do anything while I'm playing? That's not fair. So I'm recognizing my limitations. That's fair. Proud of you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts. So, um, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to share this into the Engage Family Gaming community. I'd like to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, knowing your own limitations in games. So, uh, or message them to us, you know, tweet at us, etc. Because I'd like to hear if you've ever made that realization and what you did. Um, so, off of that serious subject, as, as serious as that can be. I mean, it's kind of serious, but whatever. Um, let's talk about Pokemon. Oh man, can we please talk about Pokemon? I want to yes. talk about Pokemon. Yes, you've been while. you've been like, oh my god, I want to talk about Pokemon basically since it was announced. So um, bad. 
Okay, so, um, tell us about Pokemon. There's a news story. For those of you listening, we're going to put the link in the show notes. Um, Superparent.com, which is a website Amanda is at least vaguely aware of, um, has a pretty significant rundown from um, by Brandy, who is... Yes, who's uh, the managing editor. Who's the managing editor. Um, and she basically gave a rundown of all of the information that we know. So that's kind of yes. this... The core of what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Amanda, why don't you take it away? Tell us what we know about Pokemon 2019 right now. Okay. So what we know about Pokemon 2019 right this second is that it is the next core installment of Pokemon. So last year we had Pokemon Let's Go, right? Mm-hmm. Which, was an, which was a melding of the uh, core Pokemon series and Pokemon Go and they put it together into a game and they called it Pokemon Let's Go and it was lots and lots of fun but it was lacking depth. It didn't have what core Pokemon fans wanted. So Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield which is mm-hmm. set in the Galar region which looks a lot like England by the way the English countryside mm-hmm. is made up a bunch it's made up of a bunch of different areas. There are forests there are still covered mountains there are cities there's a lot to look mm-hmm. at, and it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So there's two different versions of the game. We don't know too much about what's in those two different versions, but just like Pokemon has always done, there are two versions of the game. Um, we know that there are new starter Pokemon. So there is Grookey, which is your grass type, and that is a chimp Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Grookey is super cute. That's going to be the one that my partner, Mike, is going to choose. Mm-hmm. Grookey for life. Um, there's Scorbunny. That's your fire type Pokemon. Scorbunny is a rabbit. I will be choosing, of course, Scorbunny. Okay. And then there is Sobble. And Sobble is adorable and looks very sad. And Sobble is a water type lizard Pokemon. So we don't know too much more about what's going on with the new Pokemon. Like what other Pokemon characters or what, what other pocket monsters, rather, that you're going to be able to capture. Right, they're they are called pocket monsters. Isn't that interesting? I mean, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, do, is it? But I mean, they're Pokemon. I know, but that's that is that is core right there, man. They used to call them pocket monsters even in Japan. Yeah. So okay. That's that's the basic rundown here. We got all of this information on Pokemon Day, which was on February twenty seventh, mm-hmm. which was really really cool. There are a bunch of other things that happened on Pokemon Day. Yeah. But yeah, that's what we know about Pokemon Sword and Shield. It's supposed to be coming later in 2019, if I had to guess. This is going to be a November release. We'll obviously yeah. we'll find out more at like during their E3 Nintendo Direct. I would um, hope. I'm likely not going to find anything out before then. If they don't, they'll likely do another Nintendo Direct just for Pokemon um, toward the tail end of summer. Yeah, I think, so, I mean, alternatively, I mean, this is the kind of game where they could just put up a picture of a Pokemon, and that's an announcement. So, I would be stunned if they don't use various social channels to <coughs> to share some stuff, um, you know, but I think you're, but I agree with you, uh, I don't think we're going to find out anything substantial until E3, but I, I think it's at least a little bit likely that we'll see drips and drabs. Um, I don't think we're going to know about the next evolutions of these uh, starter Pokemon until much, much closer. Yeah. We'll um, likely find out like probably a month, 
maybe two before it actually comes out. Yeah, I think that was about the timing when we found out last time. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm so all right. I'm I'm actually going through because we actually did a poll on uh, the Engage Family Gaming Facebook page. Um, so which version? So while I look for that information, Amanda, which version are you buying? Hmm, I am. Well, we are getting both in our household because we have multiple yes. gamers. But yeah, we're we're getting both too. But which one are you playing so far? The one that I'm gonna probably end up playing is Shield. Okay, same. Um. And so you already told us your starter. Um, I am I am actually going to wait to decide because I want to know the typing of the evolutions. Um, okay. I am so, but but probably Score Bunny because he's a rabbit. Um, for so cute. Yeah, he. I mean, all three of them are cute. They um, were. They were all really. Cute I may there. go with Sobble just because it'll make better Instagram pictures, uh, especially if I refuse. <laughs> especially if I refuse to evolve him, um, and just have him True. be like a max level little sad lizard guy. Um, for sake I of felt information. That way about Litton. Yeah, Litton. Litton was pretty cute, but then he turned into a pro wrestler, which is kind of okay. Which um, is pretty great. So, um, the. Facebook page did we did a poll um, mm -hmm. to see who was buying what. Um, Sixty-five percent said as of now. Obviously, this is all subject to change. Um, that they were purchase that they were planning to purchase and or play sword. Um, Thirty-five percent said shield. Um, however, multiple comments were um, people being like, "Well, we're we're buying both," or they refused to vote because they wanted to see what the legendaries were. Um, and that was going to determine their decision. And I think yeah. that is certainly fair um, because legendaries, I mean, one of the biggest differences between the different Pokemon games historically has been legendary Pokemon that are available in each one. Yep. And they're right on the cover, so it's not hard. It's not ambiguous. It's like, do you want this crazy monster or do you want the other crazy monster? For example, Sun had a giant robot lion, mm. whereas Moon had a magical robot bat. And yeah. was it a bat? Was it a robot? It was arguably robot, but it not as kind of robotic. But not yeah. as much as Solgaleo did. But that's because Solgaleo was steel type, so True. he was a robot. Um, so we don't know. Um, some if you want to dig deeper into some of the information that is available, here are some places that I would recommend. Number one, uh, go to Pokemon Sword and Shield's article on Super Parent. That gives you everything. It's got some cool videos. Whatever. Um, if for nothing else, give them the click. Um, but also, I would encourage you, uh, IGN actually has a wiki right now, uh, and their wiki team uh, happens they to have... amazing, has a, by the way. Yeah, well, I mean, they have a rabid Pokemon fanatic um, on their wiki team. And she has, she managed to, and I'm sure that Nintendo did it intentionally, or that Pokemon company, but they gave them a very high-res version of the Galar region map to the point where she has been able to zoom in and like really catch details like for example somewhere on that map there is a wall etching of uh, Doug Trio so Doug Trio confirmed for the Galar region um, so like little stuff like that that you would not see like for example at the top of the map there are two cities that are walled that fa that have big you know kind of um, what look like intimidating walls surrounding them with a big open area in between them. Very, like, you know, kind of Game of Thrones-ish. Like, so it's like, what's going on I was there? About to 
So there's there's a lot of stuff hidden in that map, and they are. She is going through it pixel by pixel to talk about what it could mean. And, you know, because she can do that. Uh, by the way, the she that I'm talking about is um, Miranda Sanchez. And uh, she's uh, at Havoc Rose on Twitter. Um, I have not, I've only met her once. I did actually meet her. Um, every time my daughter does something cute Pikachu related, I tweeted at her. Um, because she told me that that's what she wants me to do when I told... I. I showed her a picture of my daughter's uh, Pikachu Halloween costume, and she was like, always, always sending me these pictures. And I was like, all right, you're going to have some random moron on the internet sending you pictures. Granted, probably not the, you know, so probably not the only random idiot that sends her Pikachu pictures. So um, we did do another poll um, to ask some folks about which Pokemon they were going to choose. Interestingly enough... It is clearly no no no. It is clearly tied between Sobble and Scorbunny. Um, there is a a there are. With that said, the um, the people who were down with Grookey were like they are a small but fierce contingency. So I. <laughs> I actually, this is one of those things where I really feel like these three starters, at least their opening evolution, like everyone, like, I don't think that it's necessarily even, but like at the beginning of Sun and Moon's hype cycle, it was Rowlet or Bust, I'm sorry, right? Like, there was only one choice. I know, you, whatever, you like cats, but whatever, Rowlet was- I don't like cats. That's the thing. That's so weird. But I but, thought Litten was adorable. Yeah, but Rowlet was a little fat owl with a leaf bow tie. Don't don't I at know. me. He was adorable. But was how about this? Everyone universally was like, what's up with Poplio? Right? Like, Poplio was not well loved. Whereas now, all three of them, at the very least, you have to agree that all three of them are cute. Yes, Um what I'm really interested is I want to know what they do with um, Grookey's stick. Grookey has a stick in his head, which is like, you know, kind of holding up his top knot. Yep. Historically, if they have had like a foreign object with them, that stays with them and evolves otherwise. I bet you Grookey's going to turn into like a wizened sage, like wizard Pokemon kind of thing. Um, or, or a monk. Of some kind. It would be end, end up being a fighting type. So he's going to be like Rafiki? <laughs> Maybe. That way, let's be real. If it, if it turns into Grookey, it's just grass type Rafiki, I'm in. I um, mean, that's it. I'll have to change it. Yeah. Rafiki is clearly can, amazing. Can we talk very briefly about the fact that they said he's a chimp Pokemon and chimps don't have tails? Can we just at least say that? I understand Pokemon don't have to be scientifically accurate, but guys, he's an. Chimps are apes. Apes don't chimps have are tails. Apes, not monkeys. Um, and that's, that's, um, fun fact, uh, I LARP, you know this, uh, there's a character that I used to play with, um, and his name was Anko, and he was a chimp person, like, you can be animals that are, like, anthropomorphic animals, and he was a chimp, and any time anyone referred to him as a monkey, um, he would get very angry, and he would say, I'm not a monkey, I eat monkeys, (laughs) um, and so when I saw them calling... Grookey a, a chimp, but he had a tail, I immediately thought of him um, because it was ingrained in me. I don't, I don't know That's why. Um, so, yeah, this is, this man, this is just so exciting. Um, have you read about any of the cool rumors? I have not. I So, because I'm a business journalist, keeping up on rumors tends to bother me, so I just don't read rumors. I okay. wait until things are 
confirmed or can, until I can confirm with myself. Can I share one with you or would it annoy yes, you? Yes, absolutely may. Okay. Because on my show, you're not a business journalist. You're my friend. I am not. Um, I mean, you're. I can't like take your profession away from you, um, but no, you're but my I friend. I hold that hat up at the end of That's the day. That's fine. That's and then fine. I put my other hat on. I, okay. I have my, my EF gaming hat on now. Well, that's fair enough. So I have those. I should get you one. Um, so I do, in fact, have EF gaming hats. Um, so they're very nice. They have Nike logos on them and stuff. Um, so the uh, so the word on the street, and this was posted on Reddit before the announcement by someone who 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 also said that it was going to be called Sword and Shield. And was that Mike Minotti? I don't know. It was someone... Okay. okay. I have not dug super deep into this, and I'm only sharing this because I find it interesting and potentially amusing. I don't know that this is true. However, this was read on Kind of Funny Games Daily by Tim Geddes, and he said that he believes that it is true. And he would not say such things if he did not believe so, but it was shared on Reddit by someone who also predicted that it was going to be called Sword and Shield, and it was going to be in a place that was similar to England, and that it was going to have a monkey, a rabbit, and a lizard. Like, he pretty much had everything. Unbelievable. But not all of this. Like, there, it was 80% there. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a break. Um, that he... that And so in this post, they predicted that one of the, like, the new mechanic things was going to be armor. Meaning there would be armored versions of various Pokemon, which makes sense because it is set in an, a place that is similar to England. True. It is Pokemon Sword, Pokemon Shield. If you go to the Pokemon website, this is where it gets a little extra deep. If you go to the Pokemon website, it says Forge Your Destiny. Now, I'm just saying, Ooh. I'm just saying, it's swords, it's shields. Armor is, if it's not true, then sure, but it doesn't necessarily surprise. It would not surprise me, and I think an armored Pikachu um, would be amazing. Also, so um, that and is potentially OP. And well, I mean, we don't know what the mechanics are, but yeah, it'd be great. Um, <laughs> so um, that is one of the pieces. The other thing is apparently um, some kind of new type of Pokemon that is not actually a Pokemon that battles, but that it is a Pokemon that is. Uh, a part of your six in your party, uh, but they're like an elemental that will latch onto another Pokemon that you have in battle and chain either give them or change a secondary type. So, for example, you could have an, a, a, a fire spirit and equip it to, say, a grass type Pokemon, and they could be grass fire. Um, but only if you have that thing, but that means that it does take up a spot in your party. The reason why I think that would be cool is because, for the most part, casual players use one Pokemon. True. Casual players use one Pokemon. And the other five Pokemon slots are wasted because they don't really use them. They might build a party, and they might have, like, a second one just in case. But for the most part, when my kids plowed through Sun and Moon, they had lit they had Litten. And he turned into a giant pro wrestler, and that's what they did. Um, and they do that with, I mean, and I've done that in every Pokemon game I've gone. Like, I try and build these complicated teams, and at the end of the day, it's who's my big beastly guy, and I just punch him in the face. Like, how many people just beat an entire game with Greninja? Because why not? So, I think the idea, because reason, well, because he's a ninja frog, but the, um, so I, I like the idea of if they were to do that, 
and again, this is all theory, folks, but feel free to talk to your kids about it. I'm sure they'll be amused. Um, but the idea of using one of your six slots for something that would be even useful on your primary Pokemon. Um, I think that actually is kind of cool because it's neat, like, on a competitive level, it gives them a bunch of different typings and changes everything. Really, on the competitive level, it changes everything. But it also gives something to casual players because now it's like, oh, okay, I've got my dude, like, my starter that I love, and I can do other stuff because, frankly, you know, you can have a whole group of those other things and augment them. So I think that's kind of neat. If for nothing else, even if that is not the case... What it told me and awakened me to the fact that there is still plenty of design space in Pokemon, um, and they're not done. Like, because that's even if they do, don't do that now, that could be the next time. You know, Gen Nine, Gen Ten. So, um, yeah, Pokemon is not getting stale. The, the man, the comments on the internet about this just being the same old Pokemon. I'm like, I don't. I don't I, sure, maybe, but like that doesn't. But they always do something different. And I don't know where anybody got the idea that this was going to be, like, the Breath of the Wild redo of, like, that's what I heard. Like, oh, man, this is going to be, this is supposed to be, like, that the Breath of the Wild. That would with Pokemon. Like, it just, well, that, that would not work. By the Breath of the Wild, they mean, like, a complete reimagining of what the game is supposed to be. And I don't think that makes sense for Pokemon because Pokemon is, is good because they execute on the formula perfectly every single time. And it is what it is. For me, Pokemon is what it is. Like, at this point, if you don't like it, just don't play it. Yeah, there's plenty of other video games. Like, but Pokemon, like, for my kids, you know, I've actually never finished a Pokemon game. um, Because they're long. And I have a lot of stuff to do. But, um, I love them. Right? And so, the, uh, I'm certain I'm going to love this one. Because and that's the way they respect. I had some. There was someone that commented that they don't understand why um, the Pokemon Company doesn't respect their property by giving it a chance to grow. And I'm like, the Pokemon Company respects the Pokemon property by delivering what specifically what it is. Um, and they do offshoots. They did Detective Pikachu. They did the Let's Go series. And they could theoretically make, like, a more hardcore thing. But, like, I don't think that that needs that. Because uh, Pokemon's for kids, guys. <laughs> like, anyway. <laughs> Pokemon be a children's game. And we are adults who love it. But that's because we love things that are unabashedly for children. Because we understand joy. Like, not everything I play has to be God of War. Um, I can love that. But I don't need everything to be that. Sometimes I mm-hmm. just want to summon a lightning rat. So, um, yeah, that's Pokemon. What other th- Did you have any other thoughts on Pokemon Sword and Shield? Uh, I don't think so. I think that you. Pr- I think that we pretty much covered it. I am. I'm eager to see what they announce next yeah. in terms of you know what else that they'll reveal about the region mm-hmm. and what else they'll reveal about some of the more specific Pokemon that are in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, the legendaries are important, but we're getting both of the games, so I'm not super concerned about that. Yeah. What I'm more concerned with is I just want to know more about the world. I don't think I've ever really seen the world fleshed out like this before. Mm-hmm. It's not that Pokemon um, Sun and Moon felt empty because it didn't, but it didn't really speak to me. You know, I, I, just, I, I, played, I played in the region, and it was okay, 
but it didn't really grab me like Pokemon X did. Yep. And I'm excited because I think that Pokemon Sword and Shield will 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 have that stickiness, if you know what I mean. Like I, do. I think that it'll it, it'll it'll hook me and it'll keep me interested because the world is lush and beautiful and the starters are great and yeah, so I'm I'm really I'm eager to see what else they're going to reveal about it cuz I think that, that that's really what's going to sell me. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard the villains yet. Um, we haven't... There's a lot of stuff we haven't... So, what's interesting is they did a seven-minute video, and it was mostly about Pokemon Sword and Shield, and they really did a great job of revealing a lot of stuff, but leaving a lot of the big stuff out, which is just... What's, it's one thing that is remarkable about the Pokemon company. They are really... Like, their marketing team, you know, they are really good at delivering a message, giving just enough... Um, and then, you know, in a couple of weeks, I mean, definitely follow Pokemon on Instagram and Twitter because this is where it's, you know, especially over the summer. I think over the summer, yes, like when kids are out of school, um, you know, you can also, if you, for some reason you don't want to follow them on Instagram, you can follow me because I'll tell you for sure I'm going to be regramming all those Pokemon pictures um, and sharing them. So this is going to be a great, like I said before, and I said it before they announced it, and now it's here. The Pokemon Sword and Shield hype cycle has started. Um, this is a great time to be alive. Um, I love I love leading up the time leading up to Pokemon games. So um, we will certainly be talking about it. Uh, you know, it's a great place to talk about it, Amanda. Um, is it in our community? Yep, the Engaged Family Gaming community, uh, which you can go to uh, by going to engagedfamilygaming.com slash community. Um, we're actually, speaking of the community, um, as of the time of this recording, Amanda, we are at a very interesting, we're very close to a very uh, to a milestone. Um, we are at 299 members in the Engaged Family Gaming community. Um, and so Amazing. somebody's got to be number 300. Um, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is growing. Um, I just met a a new, one of the, I met one of the new members today on the internet, uh, who runs a, you would appreciate it. Uh, she runs a webcomic called Noob Mom. Um, and, um, so, so we're going to start sharing her some of her pictures because they're really funny. I think you would love all of them. Um, yeah, no, you absolutely should. It's Noob Mom, but they're zeros. Oh, even better. Um, yeah, no, she is your people. Um, so yeah, we're getting close to 300 members and we're only going to keep growing. And also because it's March, um, you definitely want to get into the community because starting in April, um, people in the community are eligible to be engaged family gaming, um, uh, ambassadors, which are uh, some things that we're going to be at, some missions we're going to be asking people to take out to help spread the word. Um, and people who are Engaged Family Gaming ambassadors will be eligible for a monthly giveaway. So you definitely want to get in there so that you can get a bag with some swag and some games every month. Because that's going to be fun, I think. Agreed. Um, the mail. Agree. Yeah, the, the, our post office is going to hate me, well, or they'll love me, but one or the other. So um, let's take a break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this little thing called a theory of fun. How about that? I'm into it. Let's do it. All right, folks. We'll be back in a minute. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is still episode 167. We're still talking about video games. 
It occurs to me I never said that at the top, but it was pretty obvious when we started talking about Pokemon. Um, and I'm still here, joined by one of my best friends in the world, Amanda Farrow. Um, and so before the break, we talked about Pokemon a lot. Um, so hopefully you learned everything you wanted to know so far about Pokemon. Um, very curious, who else is excited? Um, head on into the community and share with us. Um, now, I want to talk, I have a little, I, I, I sprung a new topic on you this afternoon. Because you, you were prepared to talk about Pokemon. And yell um, a lot. And yell a lot. We pretty much did. I mean, we were we were somewhat reserved. I mean, as reserved as one can be talking about Pokemon. Um, but I wanted to talk about a book that I have um, called A Theory of Fun by Raph Koster. Um, now, this is a really good book. Um, and it is actually one that I encourage everyone to get. Uh, especially for those folks who have kids who uh, want to be who want to make games, um, it's kind of it's kind of getting common now when you go to the you know you go to an elementary school and you ask kids you know what do they want to do when they grow up and they say I want to make games. Um, at least it is more common now than it was when I was a kid. Um, so. Um, and so this book, it's called A Theory of Fun, uh, specifically it's called A Theory of Fun for Game Design by Raph Koster, is written in such a way that I think most can follow it. <laughs> it is um, relatively short and relatively simple. Really, he goes into talking about what a game is, what a game is not, what we can learn from games, um, and, you know, lots of really good stuff. But he then gets into what makes a game fun. Which is something, Amanda. You are a a, a critic of some uh, of uh, occasionally. Right now, you let other people critique. Um, I do. But but you have been known to review a game, or at the very least, uh, you and I both um, sit and think about whether or not things are fun. Um, because we have to. It's part of what we do. So um, he has a theory. Hence the book, um, that includes nine things, nine elements that he believes are necessary in order to classify a game as fun. Okay. So what I thought I would do, because um, this is two parts. Number one, I want to talk to you about it because I think that you are uh, one of the smartest people I know and you know a lot of stuff about this. I wanted to hear your thoughts and we could chat about it. Um, and then the second piece um, is this is going to be kind of gearing me up, Oreo. Um, for a project um, and very likely a new podcast. So, um, and you're helping me prepare. This is multitasking awesome. because that's what content Let's creation is. Okay, so the first one, um, and this is right from his book. We're going to leave the, uh, we're going to leave a link to the Amazon uh, link in the description. Please buy it using that link because that, that helps keep the lights on and all that. So, first, um, he calls them. Games that are fun, because he believes that a goal, a game is, for with very few exceptions, he does believe that a game is, the goal of a game is to have fun, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I think in the beginning he does say that there are some exceptions, but in general, a game is trying to be fun. So he says, a successful game will incorporate the following elements. So the first one is preparation. So... Um, before taking on a given challenge, the player gets to make some choices that affect their odds of success. 
This might be healing up before a battle, handicapping the opponent, or practicing in advance. You might set up a strategic landscape, such as building a particular hand of cards in a card game. Prior moves in a game are automatically part of the preparation stage because all games consist of multiple challenges in sequence. So this, to me, um, was something that I had never thought about. But man, I used to raid in World of Warcraft. Um, mm, same. So um, before going to fight a boss, the period of the time where everybody puts all their buffs on everybody else and the raid leader tells us, okay, this is what phase one is going to be like, etc., I remember those feelings, that feeling of tension building as we prepared to complete a task. Um, And it's something that I really took for granted and didn't realize how important it was to to the the whole experience. What do you think? I think that especially when we're looking at games that are mechanic heavy, like... Uh, an MMO or something like Dark Souls that is clearly very skill-based. The preparation is part of making sure that the player has what they need in order to get the task done, which empowers them to have fun. I think that that is a really, it's an integral step, sure. When I think about all of the times where I've had to sit back and prepare, also when I did raids in World of Warcraft, although my version of that many like many years ago at this point was um star wars the old republic that Mm -hmm. is my beloved mmo you know before we sat back and we did a flashpoint that's what we ended up doing is making sure that we were buffed up and everything like that but even now when i think about playing some of the newer games that i play including anthem you know our preparation is now going to the forge which is making sure that we have the right weapons equipped that we have the right gear equipped so that we are leveled up for that specific portion of a mission. So we can go out and we can do the mission or that we can tackle a stronghold or that we can go out into the real, into the uh, free play world Mm -hmm. um, outside of Fort Tarsus and and, uh, do some world events. So yeah, I think that's really important. And it's, again, it's not something I think I've ever really thought about either. Yeah, me either. Um, how about I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out another example of you know, quote unquote preparation in a game that is a little different from some of the ones we've talked about. What about that opening island in Fortnite? Oh, that's interesting. It's not really preparation, but there is that buildup, right? Like you're yeah. there, everybody's kind of popping in. Most people are just running around whacking each other with their whatever their pickaxes are. But yeah. like you're getting ready, right? Like the crew what? is assembling, um, and also. There's the battle bus flying across the map. Where, like, um, where we drop in, guys, is um, that is a phrase that I honestly never heard until people were using it ironically um, with uh, Tetris 99. But now I hear my kids, because, you know, everybody's like, where are we dropping, bro? Now we know what it means, right? Because we're dropping, you know, because it's Battle Royale yeah. and it's Tetris, whatever. Um, but. Um, now it, you know, my kids use it now when they're playing Apex Legends or they're playing Fortnite, and sure. that that is a sense of preparation too, right? Like they're making a conscious decision. Um, I used to think that those games were really not that they were kind of random, but now it's like no, no, no. Clearly, there is a strategy there. Where you land matters. <coughs> the, really, the only reason I didn't think there was a strategy is because I didn't play a lot. Um, so anyway, all right. So number one, uh, preparation. So I think we both agree uh, with uh, Mr. Coster. I have a feeling we're going to agree with most of what he says because he's very smart. 
Um, next, a sense of space. The space might be a landscape of a war game, a chessboard, the net or the network of relationships between the players during a game of bridge. I think this one kind of goes without saying. Like you can't really have a game without knowing where it where is. Where boundaries are. Exactly. Um, Agreed. So that one doesn't need a huge amount of um, explanation, but I think some examples are the Tetris board, the island on Fortnite. Like that is a character. Or even social games. So yeah. if we're talking about social tabletop experiences, yeah. uh, games of deduction, right? So mm -hmm. we're talking about relationships between players, um, mm -hmm. like in a game like 13 Clues. Oh, perfect. So. Yeah, really good. Um, and then once you throw in chessboard, just the analog yeah. to literally every other board game. Like, you know sure. where the game is taking place, um, even if the action is between those players. Um, next, this one is going to speak to both of us. Um, it needs a solid core mechanic. Uh, this is a puzzle to solve, an intrinsically interesting rule set into which content can be poured. Um, an example might be moving a piece in chess. Uh, the core mechanic is usually a fairly small rule. The intricacies of games come from either having a lot of mechanics or having very few very elegant chosen ones. And I think that we both, I, I, yeah, I mean. It's important. It's like when you pick up a game um, that, that again, like one of, one of the big examples that I can talk about is the loop in, in Anthem, the loop in Destiny, mm -hmm. where you're going through, you're doing the mission, you're getting the loot, you're mm -hmm. getting it decrypted, you're re-equipping you're prepping and like that kind of a loop is really satisfying so that in a game like in a looter in a loot shooter oh my god i can't believe that that is an actual thing that we have now oh, but a schluter a schluter oh, that's not you. actually a thing that's not really a thing uh but uh, no, but looter shooters looter shooters a yeah thing. like i mean the it's that kind of thing or or attack or squad based tactics games you know where that loop has to be really solid otherwise it's pointless it's meaningless mm -hmm. where the tactics that you're implementing just don't make yeah don't make a ton of difference so yeah same thing in tabletop wargaming so yeah you gotta have a th the thing you do often over and over and over again has to really be well implemented and well good um yeah. You know, for those that want a more obvious example, I think let's just talk about jumping in Super Mario Brothers. Sure, like, absolutely. If and we compare that to the jumping in Treasure Stacker. Um, I wish you guys could see my face right now. It's it's not. I mean, but that subtle change. I mean, imagine if you could have jumped like Mario in that game. It would have been a very different game. Very different um, experience. Correct. So, yeah, solid core mechanic. And you'll find, you know, like the bulk of game development, if you talk to game developers, is narrowing down that core mechanic. And I really do like the way he phrased an intrinsically interesting rule set into which content can be poured. Um, Very smart. That's it's Anthem. That's The Division. That's, that's World of Warcraft. That's Super Mario Brothers. That's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's all of them. Um, yeah. Next... Um, a range of challenges. This is basically content, is what he says. It does not change the rules. It operates within the rules and brings slightly different parameters to the table. Each enemy you might encounter in the game is one of these. Um, I think this one's pretty straightforward. If everything was... I, I think there are some exceptions. Um, for example, like, you know, Dark Souls, everything is really hard, right? Yes. 
incredibly hard. So, um, but I think, you know, everyone will find them differently difficult, and I think different people will struggle with different stuff. Um, so I think that might be, you know, but still, it's not the same thing over and over again. Right? Yeah, I tend to agree. Fair enough. Uh, next one is a range of abilities required to solve the encounter. Basically, what he says is, if all you have is a hammer and you can only do one thing with it, then the game is going to be dull. This is the test that Tic-Tac-Toe fails, but that Checkers meets. In the game of Checkers, you start learning the importance of forcing another player into disadvantageous jumps. Most games unfold abilities over time until at high levels you have as many possible stratagems to choose from. This is another thing that I really didn't think about um, much, but it makes sense. Yeah, this is something I have thought about quite a bit because I've spent so many years playing MMOs, and the best MMOs are the ones that slowly fold you into the loop. They just slowly drip out these these powers and the builds and the skills and everything like that so they're not overwhelming you all at once. And the, it's the same kind of thing in, in Japanese RPGs especially, mm-hmm. is they're not going to load you up with all of your all of your spells or all of your skills all at the same time. So yeah, this this is definitely something that, that means a lot to me as a player because I have a tendency to get really overwhelmed if there's too many things on a screen um, because I don't know where to look. And because I'm, I'm an ex- graphic designer it really bothers me when the ux is bad when the user experience is bad and that comes from a lack of onboarding and and everything like that so yeah definitely it's such an important piece of having an enjoyable game sure um and we also we don't want to be bored you know like the idea of sometimes games are really short but sometimes some of the games that you and i play are Dozens of hours long. Um, and yeah, in the case absolutely. of MMOs, they are infinity hours long. They're um, as long as you want them to be. I mean, Grease is a really interesting example of a game that introduces mechanics in a very short amount of time, but does but does so in a way that makes sense for the storytelling of the game, mm-hmm. and it increases the challenge and the puzzle and everything like that. So, yeah, it's, it's an important thing, even in short games. Grease, for those wondering, uh, it's spelled G-R-I-S. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, it's in, relatively inexpensive and on everything. It's by on now? everything, yeah. By now. Ready Player Mom had, we have we have a, a video on demand of my Ready Player Mom of Grease. Um, and I also wrote about it on Game Daily. Yeah. I wish I, I really liked. love it. Like I, w- I wish I liked it. But it's beautiful. It's, it's okay. beautiful. It's, it's not for everybody. everybody. Um, yeah, definitely the example that I use. It's not for everyone, but it is absolutely stunning. So if nothing else, you owe it to yourself to look at a few stills. Uh, somebody put some screenshots on Instagram somewhere, I'm sure. Just look it up. G-R-I-S. Um, so uh, next, <clears throat> excuse me, um, skill required in using the abilities. Uh, bad choices lead to failure. Uh, the skill can be of any sort, really. Resource management, failures in timing, failures in physical dexterity, or failures to monitor all the variables that are in motion. Um, failures to monitor all the variables that are in motion. That is why I am bad sometimes at Tetris 99. Uh, so much going on. Um, but that makes sense. This all makes sense, right? Like, a really good yeah. game is one that will require skill. Because um, you want to feel tested. Because if you're not tested, if you're not making exactly. meaningful choices, who cares? Exactly. So games like Portal, games like Project Cars 2, which is a um, driving simulator, which is incredibly punishing. It's a 
an incredibly punishing game. It's the Dark Souls of. Oh man, did games. you just say that? Yeah, you're, I did. Not, you're not wrong, but I, I did. But you no, did but just... I'm, I'm actually right. It is it is that hard, but it's so satisfying because it, when you get when you actually get better at the game, it feels better to play because you feel like a rock star. You're like, man, look at me go! I'm actually drifting around this corner, and I didn't end up hydroplaning. Go me! You know, it's just, it feels good. And even if we're looking at games that don't require an incredibly high amount of skill, the like like Portal, for example, you're not necessarily twitch, that's not a twitch mechanic, but it's, it, you're solving a puzzle. And you're pu solving a puzzle with portals, which is great. And when yeah. you solve that, it feels awesome. We have uh, three more things. Um, so, um, a variable feedback system. Basically, uh, the results of encounter should not be completely predictable. Ideally, greater skill in completing the challenge should lead to better rewards. Mm -hmm. Yep, makes, makes sense. sense. Absolutely. Again, we can bring that back to Anthem, where you get better badges if you are participating with friends, or depending on your play style, you can increase your experience points at the end of an encounter. Yep. So, yeah, makes good sense. Um, if you are better at Fortnite, you get a victory royale. I mean, straight up, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. and the fe I've my never had one of those. I wonder what it feels like. Um, my son, Jake, has had three. Um, he is very good at games. Um, this is going to be... He's, he, my youngest son is, too. And, and I think it's because, you know, it's kind of like Bane. He was born in it, right? Like that whole thing. <laughs> and... Um, molded it. Molded, molded by it. Yeah, he's... And so he's just ready. Um, and, I mean, also, it's a function of time. You know, he really... Whereas Evan plays a lot of different games. Jacob's just like, nope, I don't want to play Fortnite. And if you That's do fair. something over and over again and you read about something, and if you watch people do it um, and are really good at assimilating that knowledge, I think that's... Total side note, I think that kids who are able to learn from YouTubers are giving themselves a skill set that not many of us have. Like being able to watch a tutorial and like actually put that into use is a skill that not many adults have. You know what I mean? Like how many times- Unless is... they're graphic designers or okay, animators well, or, or whatever. But yeah, okay. like it's not, it's definitely not something that say like um, somebody working in, you know, just a regular, like a regular job is gonna yeah. be doing a whole ton yeah. of. I work in. I work in insurance. Is my is my day job, and I can tell you, I work in an office. And whenever they put out like a video tutorial for a new piece of software, it is very clear who is going to learn from that and who is going to struggle with it. And I think moving forward, the people that are going to do well with it are the people that are good at watching Let's Players and emulating their activity, um, because it's basically yeah. what it is. It's just a really bad Let's Play. Anyway, um, so, yeah. Um, what else we got? So, next, last two, because I know we're uh, running out of time. You have a hard stop soon. Right. So, um, the, uh, the mastery problem must be dealt with, meaning there is an issue called the mastery problem that, you, that needs to be dealt with for a successful game. It says high-level players can't get big benefits from easy counters or they will bottom feed. Inexpert players will be unable to get the most out of the game. So basically, good games deal with that problem. Um, and that's the end game. That's also you know where you have games where just they reward skill even if there's no levels. You're right, like Super Mario sure. Brothers... 
they're going to reward you based yeah. on how quickly you can get through a level. Yep. Because you're clearly demonstrating higher level skill than yep. maybe you were at level one. Exactly. If you've watched my mom play Super Mario Brothers, the first time she ever played it, versus the guy who holds the world record, he is rewarded for his skill by a faster time. Um, and so lastly, failure must have a cost. At the very least, there is an opportunity cost, and there may be more. Next time you attempt a challenge, you are assumed to come into it from scratch. There are no do-overs. The next time you try, you may be prepared differently. So, I mean, games are all about failure. Yep. Fail again, fail better, fail faster. Um, fail smarter. Fail smarter, yes. Um, and games, they have a cost, right? You lose a life, you get a game over, you... Yep have to repair your gear, you might lose everything in the case of Dark Souls. Um, yep. Some of it's just time, right? You lose in Pokemon, you lose time. It's not a big yep. deal. Um, but it does happen to have a cost. These I spent are... a whole podcast talking about health and hit points in video games and that as a, you know, as a mechanic in and of itself and what it actually means. So yeah, I spent like an hour and a half talking about this last weekend. <laughs> That's what you were tweeting about? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So these are the elementary particles, as he refers to them, of a successful game. What do you think? Do you think that... That's pretty, he, I think... I don't want to call it succinct, because that was a lot of stuff. No, but that was definitely not succinct. Pretty, pretty clear, though. But, yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot in there to like. I think that it's, it creates a rudimentary rubric for understanding what good gameplay feels like. Um, whether or not that gameplay is tabletop or it's digital. And it doesn't apply to everything, which is nice also, because it doesn't necessarily apply to a game like Florence, which is an indie mobile game that's all about telling a story. It doesn't necessarily speak to Firewatch, which is again, another very heavily narrative-driven game where it's not about your skill level, it's about experiencing the story. Yeah. So it's a very different kind of game that doesn't have, like, those kinds of games don't really fit into that, into those categories, like, at all. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have a loop, they don't really have anything else like that. It's just about the story, it's just about the narrative experience. And enjoying the surroundings. So, I think outside of that, like, most mainstream games that people are going to be playing, they fit firmly in that rubric. That's neat. I'm going to have to keep that in mind and potentially pick up that book. It's pretty cheap. So, I like it. Um, yeah. Um, Thanks, man. So, that is A Theory of Fun by Raph Coster. Love it. Um, so, folks, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, so please head on into the community, uh, which you can get to at engagefamilygaming.com slash community. Share your thoughts. Um, you know, I'm going to be using this as, you know, the, the, some of these questions as, you know, how I talk to some kids about some of the games they're playing probably for another podcast we'll be doing. Um, but I think that brings us to the end. So this has been episode 167 of Engage, a family gaming podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I hope that you enjoyed listening as much as Amanda and I enjoyed recording it. Um, we we'll be back. Have fun. We do. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, where we will be talking about board games. So Linda will be joining us again, um, and we will be we'll be talking about all kinds of stuff. Man, this the last couple of weeks have been kind of bananas. Um, but in the meantime, I do have two favors that I'd like to ask. Number one, 
everyone listening to the show knows someone else who needs to hear it. So if it w- you would be so kind, I'd love it if you would do whatever it takes. Smoke signals, you know, send them some snail mail. I don't know. Or just, I don't know, like leave a link on their Facebook page. I'm not sure. Be creative. Um, because bigger audience means bigger access. You know how the, that goes. Um, the second piece is, if you can't do that, I get it. Um, the what you can do, and this is super simple, just head on over to the podcast service you listen to and leave us a review. Um, positive reviews or even neutral reviews um, are really great because more reviews means that the podcast services actually think people are listening to us and then they will suggest us to more people, which again, more audience means more reach, which means more opportunity for us to do cool stuff. So I do hope you have been having a wonderful day. Um, And I'm glad that you listened. I will see you next week. And until then, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye.